0: Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intercasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. Today, we're talking about Extra Life, some Dungeon Master's Guide previews, and the possibility of Eberron in 5th edition. Let's meet our panel. Panelists, please introduce yourselves and tell us how long you've been playing D&D, and give us any other credentials you care to mention. Let's start with you, Alex Basso.
1: So I've been playing D&D for five years now. Started with 4th Edition. Uh, I mean, really, that was the beginning of my tabletop gaming. Uh, Since then, I've, I've dabbled into other games, such as Star Wars Saga Edition. But really, that's it.
0: Nice. Well, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you. Topher Cohen. How long have you been playing D&D?
2: So I've been playing D&D since uh, 81, 82, somewhere in there, 1981, 1982, with the um, advanced Dungeons & Dragons. Um, But as a caveat, I stopped playing in the um, late 80s when the second edition, when that pesky second edition came out. (laughs) And and I didn't come back to D&D until fourth edition, so I took a long hiatus in the middle there.
0: Well, it's great to have you back on the show, too. And for the first time ever
2: on the roundtable,
0: but certainly not a newbie to podcasting, we have Enrique Bertrand. Enrique, how long have you been playing D&D?
3: Hey, James. Um, First of all, thank you for having me on. Of course. Um, I've been playing D&D since the late 80s. Uh, Did a first edition D&D stint with some friends and then moved on to second edition. And unlike Topher, I played the heck out of second edition. Then I skipped third
0: edition for the most part. And then came
3: came back with fourth and now fifth.
0: Enrique, people might also know you as Newbie DM on the blogosphere and on Twitter.
3: On the Twitters and on the internets and whatnot. Right, NewbieDM. I have the NewbieDM.com
0: blog. Absolutely. Yeah, well, thank you very much for coming on the show. We appreciate having you. All right, guys. Today's get-to-know-you question. If you could only wild shape into one dinosaur, what dinosaur would you wild shape into? Let's start with you, Alex Basso. All right,
1: so I feel like I took the uh, the cheap way out of here, and I just Googled largest dinosaur, <laughs> uh, which turns out to be the Spinosaurus, which uh, apparently can be up to sixty feet in length and twenty one tons in weight, uh, thus classifying as a g- gargantuan monster. And that's really all I want. I want to turn into another a gargantuan monster and fight an ancient red dragon. Just imagine them taking out a small village. <laughs> It'll be very exciting.
0: It would be very Godzilla esque. I Yes. Think. Yeah. Uh, Topher Cohen, what dinosaur would you wild shape into?
2: I kind of went a little bit laziness here because it's my favorite dinosaur. I don't know if it's the best one, but it's by far my favorite and that's the Triceratops. I would totally want to be the Triceratops with the charge and the horns and all the plate on the helmet kind of thing. I think that's just cool.
0: Enrique, what dinosaur would you wild shape into?
2: All right, so
3: I picked a, a bizarre dinosaur. He's called a Stygimaloc, and that's Greek for demon from the river Styx. <laughs> you see, he's known as the horn demon from the river of death. But he's a, he's a plant-eating, boneheaded dinosaur. And, you know, boneheaded and plant-eating kind of describes me a little bit, so I went with him. <laughs> now, to, I'll caveat, I'll say this, though. I don't want to wild it to any dinosaurs because dinosaurs died, and that doesn't sound like a lot of fun.
0: I like those choices, guys, but none of them were Ankylosaurus, which was clearly the right answer. Let's move on, though, to some actual D&D news. And the first thing we're going to talk about is Extra Life. So, uh, Wizards announced that they are once again participating in Extra Life by playing D&D for 24 hours. Uh, And the game is going to take place October 25th to 26th. They're going to live stream it on their Twitch page. We'll have all the info and everything in our show notes. The thing that's important is that the money that they're raising goes to help kids and uh, research diseases uh, for the the Children's Miracle Network hospitals and, and support that network of hospitals, which I think is really a great thing. I think we can all agree upon that. And you can donate money if you go to their page. Um, You know, it looks like Greg Bilsland is going to be DMing this game. If you donate to him, he will give you a shout out. Depending on how much money you donate, he'll do things like add extra monsters to the game, and you get to pick what those monsters will be. Or uh, you can help people create their characters. The other thing they're doing is, as people donate money, they are releasing previews of things that are yet to come in the Dungeon Master's Guide. And that's really what I want to talk about right now. Um, So the first thing that we saw was the deck of many things. And uh, we didn't get to see the complete deck, we only really got to see the the list of cards that are in the deck and the first three and sort of the basic rules and some of the art behind it. Um, So I want to know, what do you guys think of the incomplete look at the deck of many things we've seen so far. Uh, right now, it looks like most of the cards they're profiling are are kind of uh, at least have it one bad effect on them. You know, it looks fun. It looks like uh, the risk has been brought back into the deck of many things. So what do you think, Alex Basso? Uh,
1: I mean, the deck of many things, it looks as terrifying as a magic item as ever. I do not want to touch that. <laughs> Just reading like balance, I don't. That would put me on such. That would change up my entire game. You know, going from a lawful good to a chaotic evil character. I don't know if I'm a good enough role player to handle that. So uh, I mean, it is. It does look really fun. You know, if you're if you're a risk taker and you know y- you want to test your luck, and draw those cards. Um, it's definitely an exciting magic item. Nice to see it back. Um, and you know, only only three of the potential twenty two cards looks like are. Are being listed, so still a lot more to say,
0: sure, and I think you can count that some of the cards are gonna have rewards as big as some of the risks that we're seeing, like one of them where you're trapped forever. Topher, what are you thinking? Are you pleased with what you've seen so far of the deck of many things?
2: I am a fan of the deck of many things. I think it is iconically evil and fun all at the same time uh, I think it's interesting a couple interesting things is that seventy five percent of the decks only have thirteen cards but the rest have 22, so they're kind of limiting it, so it's not every deck is 22. Um, I hope that there are less cards like Balance and more cards like uh, the other two that are previewed. My problem with the cards like Balance, and it's been my problem with every version of the deck many things they've done, is that if you leave it to things like, and you change your gender or your alignment changes, then it really is up to the player to want to do that. And if the player just goes, okay, yeah, cool, I changed my, my my alignment, but they don't change how they play their character, then it's kind of a lost effect. And there's nothing as a DM you can really do. I mean, you can kind of push them a little bit, but I don't know. Um, the artwork looks great. The art they showed on the other page, the sun, the dungeon, the gesture, the balance, the balance looks really great. Ruin looks good. The key, I think the art is very iconic, deck of many things. So I'm excited. I'd love, to, I'd love to be able to buy a deck of many things and, you know, use it and not have to use a actual playing cards. That's what Gale Force 9 is for, right? Enrique, what do you
0: think about the deck of many things here? Well, I have the same,
3: same concern Topher had about the, the balance card, mm-hmm. right? Because once you start getting into alignment, and alignment is one of those things that has no mechanical presence in the game. It's kind of a touchy feely play thing. And if your players aren't buying into it, then really it doesn't... It's one of these things where I look at that card and, and, and I'm like, well, how would that play at my table? And I could tell you right now that it wouldn't play well at my table. My players would look at that and, and, and toss it aside and say, whatever. The whole thing of drawing a card from the deck of many things would be wasted because I, they're just not that type of player. So I think that's a very interesting card to have in the deck. And I think, unfortunately, it requires a specific type of player to... To get right and and to be used to its to its full potential, um, I like it personally on a personal level. I do it. I wish my players were more that type of player because I, I I I think I'm that type of DM. But um, it is what it is. Not not every group is going to deal with that in the way that it's in, in the spirit of the of the card. What what I do find interesting is that I don't see a lot of mechanical things in these three examples. I don't think I see a lot
0: of yeah. There's a lot of fluff.
3: It's it's very fluffy.
0: It's not very crunchy, and I like that. I can't find a negative. I I like this. It looks like they have raised enough money that they've released two more previews And the first one of those two is the Figurines of Wondrous Power. I think anybody who's played D&D for a while definitely knows the Figurines of Wondrous Power. They're different uh, little animal figurines that can be used to summon animal likenesses that uh, can fight for you or serve as mounts or workhorses or whatever. Um, I definitely am partial to the Goat of Terror. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but that's... uh, Pretty awesome figurine of wondrous power. But uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys think. Let's start with you, Topher. What do you think of all these figurines of wondrous power, and which one's your favorite?
2: When I first saw this, I'll, I thought of um, Guinevere from the Dritz novels. But then I remembered if everybody listened to the free audiobook they put out relatively recently of all of the Dritz short stories, one of those was the creation of the Guinevere statue. And it's not actually a figurine of wondrous power it's a figurine of fey beast or something different but anyways uh i think they're great i think that the mine has to be the um ebony fly i think anytime you can have a giant fly for 12 hours and it can be ridden as a mount <laughs> <laughs> it has dark vision for 60 feet passive perception of 10 hit, you know armor class of 11 hit points of 19 fly feet fly speed 60 feet um, yes, please. May I have two? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we got a big ebony fly fan, Enrique. What about you? What do you think of these figurines of wondrous power? And do you have a favorite?
3: Oh, I, I love these figurines. I've always liked the golden lions. Mm. Really, because you know you could be Siegfried and Roy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of I, that. But that's awesome.
3: <laughs> you could be Siegfried and Roy walking around with the lion. So right. they're kind of cool. I like the figurines. Um, I don't have a lot of experience using them in a game or they haven't come up all that often. I think maybe twice throughout my career playing D and D, but every time they came up, it was pretty memorable. Um, so, I'm hey, listen, the more magic items, the better.
0: Yeah. And what do you think of the art here that we're seeing? Uh, I mean, if we're going to talk about this art, I, I got to
3: tell you, just in general, fifth edition, I think has
0: fantastic artwork.
3: Now we're looking at four figurines. I did, they look nice. They look pretty cool. They... They look like the animal they represent, so <laughs> it can't say I can't say much about this particular piece here, but in general, fifth edition art is blowing me away. I, and I know people have trouble with some of it. I, I, I don't share those troubles, like the halflings and stuff. I happen to like it. In this in this particular case, I think the coolest looking one here is probably
0: that Obsidian Steed. Oh. Yeah. That's a nice
3: that's a nice looking figurine.
0: I know, and it summons a nightmare, which is
3: awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's pretty cool.
0: Alex Basso, are you feeling happy? Definitely, like, in these figurines.
1: I mean, I feel like my experience with figurines in 4th edition was really mostly them just as, like, combat creatures. Uh, I don't really remember that many, you know, other special effects. And just reading this list, like, you know, every figurine really has, like, kind of a, u- a unique role. Um, you know, with the owl that can just be, like, a scout. And then you got the goats, which, I mean, you mentioned the Goat of Terror. I think that's awesome that it's basically, like, a mobile armory and you can... <laughs> start fighting with its special weapons. Uh and my favorite though would have to be the uh the Onyx dog just because I you know I don't know how useful it would be would be but I just want to have a dog that I could talk to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, who doesn't want that, right? Dogs are the best. Uh, just a few hours before we recorded this podcast, they posted a preview of the magic rings. Um, so, and again, it's not all of the rings. It's actually probably a very small sampling that we're seeing. We're seeing, again, some really cool looking art. And we've got the Ring of Resistance, the Ring of Shooting Stars, and the Ring of Spell Storing. And uh, I'm pretty happy with what we're seeing here. Again, these seem to be pretty classic to me. You know, uh, it seems like they're doing. Doing the things that they do in other editions and I think that that's one thing worth mentioning like in the monster's manual like in the player's handbook we're not seeing a lot of necessarily reinventing the wheel as far as bringing in entirely new things but we are seeing new mechanics applied to things that we think are iconic in D&D. Enrique what are you thinking about these rings?
3: I think these rings are pretty cool I I I like what they've done with them. They, they, I don't want to sound like an additional warrior here, but <laughs> I could tell the difference between this and fourth edition just by reading and seeing some of these things. They're not as crunchy. They're not as. They're, it, it just has a different feel to it. I don't know if, if, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I don't know. I, I, I'm getting such an old school vibe from fifth edition in general, and I like
0: it. And it's the idea that they It seems like some things they're okay with leaving a little loose, and you know your DM they're, adjudicating at the table. They're giving
3: you room to play with, without you know putting everything down, writing everything, setting in stone. Exactly. And I'm and I'm really happy with that. I I, I like that. Yeah. I'm looking at I'm looking at these uh these rings, and you know what comes to mind? Charges.
0: Yeah. Charges. They have charges, right? They have charges. Yeah, which the cool thing is, right? You can sort of amp up and down the power of something. Sometimes,
3: kind of, kind of like the way spells work with the spell slots, right? That you can expend a few spells, a uh, higher spell slot to get more punch out of the spell.
0: Exactly, and again, it's that idea that that's very simple. You really only need to learn that once to learn, like, okay, it applies to spell slots and it applies to charges, and it all makes sense. And
3: it gives you as a player a little bit of choice when using the magic item, which is kind of cool, yeah. or using the spell.
0: Alex Basso, what do you think?
1: Uh, I love it. Actually, this is probably these items. I think look great. Um, I mean, as someone, I love fourth edition. You know, I'll say it. I love all the combat options I have, mm-hmm. and I'm already starting to feel like my fighter. Who, even though I just did battle master, I got all these extra effects. I don't know how interested I'm going to be with him. You know, in 10, 15 levels when it comes to combat. Uh, but seeing these rings, you know, the ring of shooting stars particular, it's just you know, it's more effects, more stuff to do in combat, and you know that's the number one thing I want, and I'll be able to do that by trying to, you know, attain these special rings. Um, so, you know, I, I could see my character. Yeah, I'll take the ring of shooting stars. I'll take the ring of spell storing and make my wizard friend cast awesome spells in it, so I can have more fun in combat. Uh, I really enjoy them. Um, and I'll, I'll go again with the artwork. I I didn't think rings could look this interesting. They look really great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really really do
0: enjoy this stuff. And the other thing I noticed about the Ring of Shooting Stars is it says it requires attunement outdoors at night. So there seem to be these little touches, right, of like you can't just attune it when you're hanging out in a dungeon. No, you need to take these specific actions to Mm -hmm. attune this ring, which I think is is really cool. That's a nice touch, you know, a nice injection of story in there, which I I love. I'm all about story, and I love that. Uh, Topher, what do you think of these
2: rings? I think they're fantastic i mean as much as alex likes playing the you know wants the combat choices i like playing the support characters imagine if jimmy of the page had the ring of resistance mm-hmm. with uh, some fire damage resistance and the ring of spell storing with some extra spells that tarasca fight would have went completely different <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm just saying out loud and i think the art i think you're right i think we're really kind of i'm jumping down, up and down on the art but we should because it looks great that ring of telekinesis it, I I get a feeling of what that ring does. I mean, I look at these rings. The ring of protection looks like a shield, a really well-crafted shield. So, of course, I think it's going to protect me. I think this is. I think they're doing such a good job. These, uh, I'm excited about the rings. I want to see more of them. I think they're doing such a good job with these pages and what they're not only what they're showing us, but the layout and you know. I think if you can, the bonus to this that I get the ring of spell storing, I can read this quickly, know exactly what it does. Tell my DM, hey, I need you to roll a one d six. And I can tell you that then you you pick some spells and boom, boom, boom. I just think they're doing such a great job. I'm so psyched about this stuff.
0: And speaking of what's to come, um, we have a few more things that they have just given us headers for. We haven't seen the actual information. So, uh, you know, perhaps another time we'll be discussing the Eye Hand of Vecna uh, and we also have the Orb of Dragonkind coming up. Uh, and then after that, if we uh, see $45,000 donated to the Extra Life campaign for D&D, uh, we'll see firearms, explosives, and alien technology, which will be in the Dungeon Master's Guide. And at $50,000, we will see the Table of Contents Uh, I'm wondering if you guys are surprised to see Firearms, Explosives, and Alien Technology listed as being in the DMG. Uh, I was pretty pumped about that addition uh, already being in one of the the core rulebooks as an option, you know? Um, And it, it says to me, like, hey, we're definitely going to see some cool modules within the Dungeon Master's Guide, so I really can't wait to get my hands on it. Alex, what did you think about that?
1: Uh, I mean, uh, I'm already playing with an awesome firearms uh module, mod right now, right from Expiration Age by James. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, otherwise, uh, yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I want to see how substantial they are. You know, if they take up a couple pages. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they they talk about how this edition they're gonna have a ton of mods. It's gonna be you know easy to add them. So you know they're gonna give us some. They're gonna show us some early.
3: Now here's here's my question to you. Do do you think the alien technology we'll see will come out of expedition to the Barrier Peaks?
2: No, I think it'll come out of revisiting the expedition to Barrier Peaks. But you think we'll 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 see the Barrier Peaks again? Yeah, I think we're going to see something like that. That's a that's a trope they love to use in these editions, right? They take older modules and give it a spin that updates it for the new edition and a new story. We've seen it, you know, return to Boulder's Gate and uh, return the board, to the Keep on the Borderland and. We've seen it before. I think we will. I think we're going to see something like it. I think that's the that's a, such an iconic thing, and they really want to go iconic. I think we will. I think we really will.
3: So you think we'll go dungeon crawling
0: in a spaceship? And trip <laughs> the ship?
2: Uh, you heard it here. I think we will. Okay. I,
0: I love that adventure. It is so crazy.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really curious to see what their firearms are, uh, rules are going to be. I'm sure they won't be as good as the ones on worldbuilderblog.me. I'm sure they won't be as good as those. It's, it's a, um, it's just a blog about a fifth edition world and Exploration Age. If you guys haven't checked it out at worldbuilderblog.me, you really should.
0: Uh, it's, uh, I am sure that they will probably be better rules than I came up with, uh, but I appreciate the plug, Topher and Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I am most curious about the alien technology, for sure. I like that point about the barrier peaks, Enrique. I, I, that may be the way to get it in, because that's what I was wondering is, how do you bring alien technology into your game? But I was thinking it might come from like the far realm because to me, aberrant creatures are kind of like aliens. Uh, So that was my thing. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And
3: they love, they love the far realm. It's one of those things they love though. So who knows? Maybe. Maybe.
0: Well guys, moving on, I actually want to talk a little bit about uh, Eberron in fifth edition. Keith Baker on his personal website announced uh, that you could support Eberron, that he's, He and Watsy are currently unsure what's going to happen with Eberron and if it will be brought into 5th edition or not. So he is asking people to show their support unofficially by donating to Extra Life because he is one of the players in the campaign and if you donate directly to him, you can help create his character. Or to donate to another event called Charity20, Um, which is something that happens at Meltdown Comics. Again, they're going to live stream a game, and Keith is actually DMing an Eberron game that he created himself and set in 5th edition. And if you donate at least $10, uh, he will then send you a nice PDF of the adventure that he uses, so you can have a 5th edition Eberron adventure uh, unofficially if you donate to this campaign. What he's saying is that This will be a good way for him to show Wizards, hey, look at all the people who donated because they were excited to see Eberron happening between Extra Life and uh, what's going on at this Charity 20 event. So uh, what I want to know from you guys is, do you guys really think 5th edition Eberron is at risk here? Do you think this is a clever way to raise money for some good causes, which I think is is also worthy? Um, because we do know that Warforged will be in the Dungeon Master's Guide. You know, they've, the Wizards has said that they're going to put some optional races in the DMG, and Warforged is one of them, which uh, is sort of a robot race, for lack of a better descriptor. That appears uh, within the Eberron campaign setting for those who are unfamiliar. So, what do you think, Alex Basso, Do you think Eberron is really at risk?
1: Uh, I don't think Eberron's really at risk to be cut out completely. Um, I'm sure you know Wizards of the Coast says they you know, their drawing board or their plans, their temporary plans. You know, maybe this will, uh, you know, put Eberron up higher on the priority list for them. Um, but I don't think it's something they'll be cutting. I know, I mean, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. The first MMO is said, Eberron. And as far as I know, that's still going strong. Uh, you know, it's still a, a world that people play in, people enjoy, um, and hopefully, you know, a, a lot more people will now come out and show their support for Keith Baker, uh, and you know, maybe it'll just bump it up the list. I don't think it's in danger to be cut, though. Uh,
0: what do you think, Enrique? Do you think Eberron is at risk of not being in five e
3: Um. So, Eberron. First of all, I don't have any experience playing in Eberron,
0: but I I know the history
3: of Eberron. I know it was created by a fan they had a contest, in the third edition age. Blah blah blah. Right. So Eberron in fifth edition. My thinking is that if we see Eberron in fifth edition, it won't be anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And I and I don't have any inside information. I don't. Have, this is just my speculation. But I think that fifth edition being an edition that they're branding as an edition where they're trying to bring back lapsed players and there's a whole old school feel and. And all that sort of thing. I have a feeling we're going to see things like the Forgotten Realms, which we know we're going to see because it's pretty much the core world of the, the, the game. Um, Dragonlands, maybe even Greyhawk, before they get to releasing stuff like Eberron. I'm not, I'm not saying they're not going to get to it, but I'm saying it's probably not a priority right now.
0: Uh, that's interesting, and I think that's a really good point, right? That we might see things that are, have that older school feel and harken back to that. It would be great to see Greyhawk, um, you know, we didn't really see that in 4th edition at all. Um, so it would be great to see that, uh, you know, maybe we'll see some Dark Sun kind of stuff, some Alcadine kind of stuff before we actually end up seeing Eberron, uh, because... They're trying to bring back the older players and they're sort of counting on the new people coming just because they were already there.
3: That, and, that's what I'm thinking. Like My thinking is we're going to see Forgotten Realms. They're going to release some Forgotten Realms. And if I had to guess, I would say it's the next world release. It's either Dragonlands or Greyhawk.
0: So with that in mind then, do you think that Keith Baker uh, asking people to show support would help it get bumped up? Well, yeah, well money talks, right? So if WotC sees that there's
3: a huge outcry for Eberron... They, if they were savvy business people, which I guess they are, they would jumble over that. Yeah. But but if you're asking me if it's under plans right now, if they have a planned of releases for the next few years or so, my guess would be that Eberron isn't sitting at the top of the list. Yeah. I think they're going to try to go for the older 1E, 2E player that, that left D&D for Greener Pastures, and they're going to try to bring those guys back via this whole nostalgia trip that D&D is on right now. Sure,
0: and we don't even have a Forgotten Realms campaign guide.
3: Oh, we don't, and they've they haven't even announced it. So who knows? For all we know, we're just all speculating on
0: stuff that that, and we have no no basis to say anything. Who knows? Yeah, you know exactly. Well, continuing the speculation train, Telfer, what do you think? Do you think Eberron is at risk?
2: I don't know if it's at risk. I mean, I agree with what you guys have said. I agree with you, Urike, 100% that the next thing we're going to see is either a Greyhawk or a Dragonlance. Um, I think they're going to be, I think it'll be Dragonlance before Greyhawk because I think it's more, you could tie in more novels, tie in, you know, more information about it. I think then we get Greyhawk. I think what this does and what raising this money kind of puts it in perspective to Watsy of whether or not they should re- release uh, Eberron first or Al or. Um, you know, fill in the blank of other third edition, you know, campaign worlds. Do we really want to see a spell jammer before we see Eberron? Who knows? But if enough people donate to Eberron, maybe that's something that's going to change their mind. I think we will eventually see something if if this edition goes on long enough. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if it's going to be as early as we saw it in fourth.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. So, well, it'll be interesting to see. Eberron is my favorite setting, uh, so I am anxious for it to come out. So, if the the round table has any sway, just just know that wizards, I know you're listening. So, so do that <laughs> for me. <laughs> uh, so, I guess that brings me to my next question: is do you guys personally want to see Eberron uh, come to 5th edition? Uh, Alex Basso, I know you are a big Eberron fan. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, we did a, a whole campaign in Eberron. I mean, I just love the feel of the world. You know, it's, you know, this post-major war, you know, basically the equivalent of World War One in their world. And, you know, it's very, you know, all the political country, you know, the politics are all established. People, you know, hate each other. And it's it's such a tense environment. Um, and it's got that entire the Morlands, which is you know this old nation that was destroyed by it was the equivalent of a nuclear bomb. Um, you know, I really enjoyed the campaign in Eberron. It also has some more you know technology-driven you know parts of it, you know, such as uh, airships and trains, lightning rail as it's called there. Um, it's definitely a different field than the very traditional, I'd say, fan- uh, Forgotten Realms. Um, and it also introduced some good races like the Warforge, which, you know, as we already said, they're going to be in the DMG. They're, they've definitely transferred over uh, to mainstream. Um, but I, I enjoyed the world a lot. Uh, the campaign was, was a good one. Uh, there's also, I mean, it's a, it's a big big you know, uh, setting with a lot to
2: explore.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm with you on that, buddy. How about you, Topher? Do you want to see 5e Eberron?
2: Of course I do, I mean it's one of my my favorite settings from 4e. I uh, stole or borrowed or co-opted whichever word you want to use heavily from my home world, my homebrew campaign world, because I love this all that stuff that Keith created for it, and I really wanted to use it. Uh, I think you know uh, I'm excited to see Dragonlance. If 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 we get Dragonlance, I'm, I think that's something that's long overdue, and I'd love to go back to Greyhawk and you know run some people through Greyhawk. But I think that an uh, Eberron, a 5e Eberron would just be fantastic. And I am I would love to run it. And I would actually love to play in it. And that'd be so great. I'm would really excited to see it. Well,
0: and Enrique, you said you're not super familiar with it. Uh, but uh, would you ever want to dip your toe into the Eberron Waters if a fifth edition version came out?
3: I'm not familiar with it. I've never played in it. I don't know if I can get my players to want to play in it. But I will tell you this. I really want Eberron to come out for 5th edition because anything that gets players in seats playing D&D is good enough for me. And if 5th edition Eberron is going to bring players to the table, then so be it.
0: There, You, you heard it right there, folks. This man is doing the Lord's work. Okay, that, yeah, brother. <laughs> the more people we can get playing D&D, the better. And I feel the exact same way. And I think that's actually going to do it for the roundtable this week, guys. Where can people find you, Topher Cohen?
2: Uh, they can find me at at A T L on the Twitters and uh, also at uh, TopherATL, that's T-O-P-H-E-R-A-T-L on Google Plus also. I also um, help run the uh, organized play, the Adventures League at Titans Games and Comics in Smyrna, Georgia on Wednesday night. So come on down and see us. And as a quick side note, I want to say thanks to all the Roundtable listeners. Somebody posted on Twitter that it was my birthday a little while back and a bunch of people Reached out and wished me a happy birthday and said they heard me on the roundtable. So thanks, guys.
0: Oh, that's awesome. You guys are the best out there. Enrique, where can people find you if they want to wish you a happy birthday?
3: If you want to wish me a happy birthday next April, you could find me at newbdm.com. That's a D&D blog I run um, for mostly for Dungeon Masters. Uh, I started it back in the E days. And you could also find me on the Twitter at newbdm.
0: Nice. Excellent. Be sure to check him out there. Uh, Alex Basso cannot be found on the internet. Uh, Guys, if you have a question or topic you'd like to hear us discuss on the roundtable, reach out to me on Twitter at James Intercasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Or you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com. And a quick shameless plug for me. Check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the fifth edition world I'm building. It's at worldbuilderblog.me. Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Alex, Topher, and Enrique. Also, many thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or d and Classics to help support the show. Keep on rolling, and keep on listening to The Roundtable.